Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or to find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions that will be answered on the show. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Monster Legends Podcast. I'm Tanner, your host, and it is almost end of March, and we're in coronavirus breakout season, I guess. And we're in Michigan this week. Hope you guys are washing your hands and staying home if you're sick. I'm not feeling well. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Hopefully your employer is cool giving you uh, pay time off because you're staying homesick. Hi, pretty good weekend this week. Um, went over to my girlfriend's for her birthday. We had some great steak, uh, not steak, but uh, pork chops and mashed potatoes and string beans. Chocolate cake. It was yummy. Then we can went over again today and we had a uh, lasagna and stuffed mushrooms and stuffed clams and pecan pie. It was delicious. Now, uh, we got in Michigan. We got the Michigan dog man. It's a, it's a werewolf or werewolf, werewolf type creature first reported in 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan. Signs have been reported in several locations throughout Michigan, primarily in the northwestern quadrant of the Lower Peninsula. In 1987, the legend of the Michigan Dogman gained popularity when a disc jockey at WTCFM recorded a song about the creature and its reported sightings. History. Cook recorded the song with a keyboard backing and credited it to Bob Farley. After he played the song, Cook received calls from listeners who said they encountered a similar creature. And the next week after Cook first played the song, it was the most requested song on the station. He also said cassettes of the songs for $4 and donated proceeds from the single to the animal shelters. Over the years, Cook has received more than 100 reports of the creature's existence. Cook uh, later added versus, versus the song in 1997 after hearing a report of animal breaking by an unknown canine at a cabin in Luther, Michigan. He re-recorded again in 2007 with a Madeline backing. Sightings 
The first known sighting of the Michigan Dogman occurred in 1887 in Wexford County when two lumberjacks saw a creature whom they described as having a man's body and a dog's head. In 1938 in Paris, Michigan, Robert Fortney was attacked by the five wild dogs and said that one of the five walked on two legs. Reports of similar creatures also have came from Allegan County in the 1950s and in Manistee and Cross Village in 1967. Linda S. Godfrey, in her book The Beasts of Bray Road, compares the Manistee signs to a similar creature sighted in Wisconsin known as the Beasts of Bray Road. In 1961, a night watchman was patrolling a manufacturing plant in Big Rapids, Michigan, when he saw a peculiar figure. At first sight, it was a person. He saw the dog-like features. He pulled his gun and was about to shoot. When he remembered his camera and took it out and took a picture of the horrific beast. The photos have not been analyzed yet, and the photo still remains an unsolved mystery. In 1987, disc jockey Steve Cook at WCMFM in Transfer City, Michigan, recorded a song titled The Legend, in which he played as an April Fool's Day joke. However, he based the song on an actual force of the creature. Bill's Channels considers The Michigan Dogman a hoax. Alright, here's some stories from I found about the Dogman. I never saw it. But in 1975, I was newly married, about 21 years old, and I had a small baby. My sister, who was a teenager, was visiting us. My husband, my sister, and I had all gone to our bedrooms to settle down and go to sleep. I would say it was around 11 or 12 at night. We were just starting to relax, and they get sleepy when out of nowhere there was a, this horrible, loud hell or yell. I mean, it was so loud, it made my chest vibrate and my ears hurt. The sound was not human, but had a guttural, human-like sound, which was what sounded like a wolf. We were living in a mobile home at the time, and it howled just outside of our back door, in the hallway near our bedroom. We jumped out of bed, looked at each other, and both said at the same time, What the hell was that? My husband was 10 years older than I was and was an avid hunter. He wasn't the kind of guy to scare easily. His face drained of color. My sister came running down the hall, down the hallway, uh, white as a ghost, and said, what was that? I told her I don't, I didn't know. My husband said he was getting his rifle and grabbed it out of the closet. He opened up the back door and yelled out into the wind, you better get the fuck off my lawn. Out of here, I'll blow your head off. Listened to a moment for I yelled at him to please shut the door. He did and was never heard any more of that Needless to stay we sat up all night afraid to go to sleep. I have never forgotten that hell There's no way it was a dog or coyotes. I've heard both hell. It wasn't a guy joking around either It was so loud. There's no way a human could have made that sound I love your show, and I'm glad to hear that I'm the only one who's heard something like this sweet Baker date July 1975. I need to follow this guy. Uh, it's from Dogman Encounters. Oh wait, listen to them. It's 
from Manatees County, Michigan. My friend and I were talk, walking in the woods behind my house and I was recording with my phone. Something made me look to, in a certain direction and I saw a black figure appeared to be standing on two legs with long arms. Completely black and hairy, about seven feet tall, it turned towards us and we ran. I first thought of it of a bear, but after viewing the video, realized it was definitely not a bear. It had been behind a tree and then it came out and turned towards us. It stood completely still and made no effort to advance toward us. We didn't give it a chance. I grabbed my friend and yelled, Go! We watched the video on big screen TV and looked like a werewolf. It had pointy ears and long arms. Could not see the eyes. Although if this was not a shape, uh, shape shoplifting demon, this is that it is Dogman. Anonymous time 4.30 p.m. Date October 30th, 2016. Uh, another report from Oceana County, Michigan. My encounter happened in February 2009. In 2000, November 2008, I broke my arm and was basically stranded at home. I was unable to drive or work and was going stark raving mad with boredom. My best friend would drive the 35 miles north from Muskegon, Mus- I don't know, whatever, okay, to pick up me up in Shelby just to take me back to Muskegon for a visit at her home. She'd take me to dinner or out to see a movie only to deliver me home to Shelby after whichever activity it was truly a selfless act of love. One night, she was driving me home. It was very late, well, after 11 p.m. We were on US 31 northbound on the Rothbury area of Oceana County on the expressway. Being February in Michigan, the roads were naturally snowy with scattered patches of ice and bare pavement. There was a small pickup truck in front of us about five car lengths ahead of our car. With all of a sudden, we saw something on a two leg start out from the left just in front of the overpass. It uh, ran across a two-lane highway, hit the back of the small pickup in the rear quarter panel, causing the pickup to fishtail. Luckily, the driver of the small pickup regained control, but it didn't stop to see what collided with their truck. If anything, it seemed to pick up speed and get the heck out of there. My friend and I watched in utter astonishment as the creature finished running to the right and disappeared into the weeds and trees along the highway. It didn't even break stride after it hit the truck. We looked at one another, sat in silence for a moment, and then I said, Did you? She said, Yeah, I saw it. We finished the ride to my house in silence. Both lost in our thoughts. It looked like a giant dog or wolf. It was on its hind legs, not all not all fours, and it was at least seven feet tall. It had pointy ears, a kind of mane around its neck. Much like a lion's mane, was dark in color, and tiny legs looked like a dog's, which was even more pronounced, as it was running only on its hind legs. Its front legs were freely swinging as it ran, and seemed to have its mouth slightly open. It had an elongated face, very much like a collie's face, and had a long nose protruding from its face. Its face was covered by longish hair. Tiger creature seemed to be covered in lawn hair, but I can't recall it if I had a tail. Something tells me it did, not, it did, but I can't recall for certain, so I don't know what to say it did, but in fact, I'm not sure. 
We thought perhaps it may have been one of the Michigan dogmen that. Ah, sorry, organizer. Are said to be in our area, being a former Native American area. We have heard stories, but never met anyone that has had first-hand encounter. There was always someone who knew someone who knew someone who saw something. But now my best friend and I definitely saw it. We had a first-hand experience. Our encounter was brief and over in a matter of mere moments, but it was front and center of us, and we saw it clear as a bell. Laura Love. Time is 11.30 p.m. to 12.30 p.m. Date is February of 2009. I encountered a bipedal wolf-like creature here in western Michigan, and it got me spooked. I was out shoveling snow, as it's common here in my state. My encounter happened in a place just south of Rothbury, Michigan. I decided to take a walk in my family's words one day, and that's when my life changed forever. My family owns 270 acres of land here in the towns of Montagu, Michigan. I venture out into those woods. As I've done many times, hundreds of them, the walk started as anyone would. I started to follow the creek south to check for deer strands on our property. The walk went as planned until I got about 300 yards south of the house. I stopped to have a cigarette. My eyes started to wander as I scope for deer or coyote. As I gazed back and forth, I noticed figure and froze. I literally froze. It thing made eye contact with me and then stood up. It was hairy, had very broad shoulders and amber-colored eyes. It let out a growl unlike any other I've heard. This wolf, as I call it, made two leaps and was gone. The most surprising thing about this encounter was how silent the woods were. Up to when I had my encounter, so that you know, your episode 80 is what made me want to talk about this. Anonymous, date January 2006. I was driving home to my apartment at 11.45 p.m. when I felt a presence by the wood line. I saw something looking at me, and then finally I saw these two eyes. It seemed like it was stalking me. I could only see eyes and the shape of its head. I really couldn't see its body, but instantly I felt fear and went inside my apartment. When I went inside, I started looking through the blinds just a little bit. I didn't want to move the blinds that much because I knew he knew where I was, so I didn't want to move the windows blinds. Then I saw it heading my way. The beast looked like a bodybuilder with a wolf or dog-like head. Because of its silhouette, this thing must have been 7 to 8 feet tall. It stopped just for a second right in front of my window, then it leapt. I never feared for my life like I did that night. Guess that's it, Vic. I hope to hear from you, sir. You suit from you, sir. Thanks. Rigo Bastia, 11.45 p.m., date 2009. I had three different encounters with three different creatures. I know what I saw. When I was younger, I saw what looked like a wolf or big German shepherd on its hind legs, running through a very thick patch of woods. It only happened for a second, but I remember the long muzzle and pointy ears distinctively. Okay. The second encounter was more exciting. It was late at night after a small barbecue uh, or party at my uncle's farm miles north of Ann Arbor. I was coming out of the barn 
get some more food when I heard sticks breaking in the tree line to my right. My first impression was that one of the dogs got outside, so I went out to go see it if that was the case. I walked towards the sounds and remember hearing a creature flinch because the movement speed the movement stopped as I approached. A golden retriever appeared into the trees. The barn had spotlight space in the house and with the white paint job on it to create a glow that allowed me to see better. After seven feet, about seven feet off the ground, a long muzzle poked through the trees, followed by the full figure of this creature. It was only 20 feet away from me, so I got the full picture. It was tall and lean, but very muscular. It had a distinct brown pelt on its body, with a blackish fur on its shoulders. It had a huge paws for feet, but it had hands that looked like they had five fingers, so they resembled long human hands, except for the fur and claws on them. Its head was the scariest. This thing had a huge set of canines. It looked like it was snarling, but I believe it was trying to smile. I couldn't make out exactly what its color, eye color was because of how dark it was, but they pierced into my soul. As the creature came into full view, I remember saying out loud to myself, Werewolf. I backed up slowly, and the creature stood there, like a proud man standing over a deer he had hunted. He watched me for about 30 seconds, but it felt like 30 minutes. That's when my father, uncle, cousin, and grandfather all came out of the barn. When I tell you this thing ran, I mean it ran. It turned around, dropped to all fours, and leaped into the forest, making only a slight noise. I told my cousin about it, but he didn't believe me. I knew my father wouldn't believe me because he doesn't believe in anything. Four days ago, in my own backyard, the same type of creature knocked on my window. My curtains were drawn to give us a view of the woods. I live in the middle of a patch of woods near a fire road. I wasn't asleep yet and I couldn't describe what was wrong, but I felt uneasy. I was trying to sleep when I heard a slight scrape at the house wall below my window. My window is 8 feet off the ground. When I came in bed, when I sat up in bed to see what was going on, I saw the head of what I can only describe as a werewolf in my window, which is only 10 feet away from my bed. I cursed, jumped up, turned on the light, and grabbed the survival machete I had in my closet. I turned to see if it was still there and it had disappeared. The next day, I went off to see if I could find any tracks or anything that might prove what I saw, but never found a thing. For about a day, I was unsure of myself. Then I heard about your radio show and decided that it should tell someone who can get the word out about it. Anonymous, time 1.45pm to 30pm and midnight. Dates, mid-September 2005, July 20th, 2015 and February 21st, 2017. You can shout out to Dogman Encounters Radio. You can listen to them on uh, Libsyn. I mean, quite quite in depth already in there's in previous episodes. Here's some in Iowa, 
Ohio. I get right like over the place. Really. Next. My freaking work is like being crazy, dude. I'm like on freaking work tens since like Tuesday every night and I work this Saturday and we're on schedule of tens all week. also known as the Red Dwarf of Detroit, has been a harbinger of doom since the time of Detroit's founder, Cadillac. According to the legend, seeing the name Rogue, Rogue, sorry, let me, let me pronounce Rogue. It's N-A-I-N-R-O-U-G-E. Is a sunfire sign of something terrible to come? Or is it? Could it? He actually be warning people about impeding danger rather than causing it. The legend was first published in the book Legends of La Detroit, La Detroit, published in 1883. On March 10, 1701, in St. Louis, Quebec, a party was being held in honor of Antonio de la Mother Cadillac, the founder of Detroit. As the night went on, a fortune teller, complete with a black cat perched on her shoulder, came to the home. They let her in and she began to read palms. The man were amazed at her ability and she finally wandered over to Cadillac. She gazed into his palm and told him how he was going to start a great city. Cadillac urged her to continue, but the future became grim. The fortune teller told him, In years to come, your colony will be the scene of strife and bloodshed. Indians will be treacherous. The hated English will struggle for its possession. But under a new flag, it will reach a height of prosperity. If you never in your wildest dreams pictured. Cadillac continued to press the woman for more answers, asking if his children would inherit from him. Teller told him, Your future and all the lie lies in your own hands. Beware of an undoing ambition, it will mar all of your plans. Appease the name rogue. Beware of offending him. Should you ever be thus unfortunate, let the prestige of your hands be given to your heirs. Kalak didn't think too much of this fortune teller's words and considered it nothing more than entertainment. He told his wife about it when he got home that night for a good laugh. Years later, after founding of Detroit, Cadillac and his wife were talking, were taking a walk and overheard a conversation of two men unhappy with the city. As Cadillac passed by the by, he heard one man say, Things ain't cannot run very long, thus my wife saw a few days ago La Petite Nanwoog. Cadillac's wife was instantly startled he, and told him the name Rook was was the name Rook the fortune teller had warned about so many years ago. Cadillac laughed it off but as they started for home 
a grotesque, dwarf-like figure with a sharp-toothed grin, hobbled onto their path. Cadillac hit the creature with his cane and told it to get away. The dwarf took off, laughing. He was warned to not offend the name Rug if he was to ever see it, but that's just what the Cadillac did. Soon after the counter, Cadillac's luck took to a turn for the worse. Everything the fortune teller told him about his doomed future came true. Even worse, his children didn't inherit any of his property. Like he had wished. Was it because Cadillac disrespected the Dane Rug or all those years ago? Did this prove that he was truly a harbinger of doom and gloom? Here are some sightings of the Dane Rug in Detroit. First spotted by Cadillac, after seeing the dwarf, everything Cadillac worked for went to a ruin. July 30 of July 30th of 1753, the dwarf was spotted near the Detroit River. Next day, Pontiac killed over 60 men during the Battle of Bloody Run. Forty years later, in the spring of 1805, people saw a dwarf walking through the streets of Detroit. On June 11th of that year, a fire burned most of the town. General William Hull, the only officer in American history to be sentenced to death for military incompetence, claimed that he was saw the dwarf grinning, grinning at him in 1813 when he surrendered to Detroit to the British Army. Someone saw the dwarf before the week-long riot started in 1967. The name Rug was seen climbing up a utility pole by two utility workers on March 1st, 1976. Shortly after that, Detroit was hit with one of the worst ice storms the city had ever seen. This was the last time it was seen. An ice storm in 1997 even worse hit Detroit, and in 2004, the city had a huge blackout, but no devil was reported. No little devil was reported. Maybe Dan Ruger prefers to stay out of the spotlight now that he's a well-known legend in Michigan. So the next time you find yourself wandering around the Detroit area and will catch a glimpse of something small and imp-like hobbling in the distance, avert your eyes and hope to God it's just a reaction from the takeout food you ate earlier or else start wearing your lucky rabbit's foot and picking pennies heads up off the ground because bad luck is sure to strike your path in the city of Detroit at any time or so the legend says. But wait, there's another side of the name Rogue story to consider. Perhaps Nane Rug was an actual bringer, wasn't an actual bringer of death, but a sign that something bad was about to happen. And he's warning lest you end up like old Cadillac. Could he actually be an ancient protector of the city and not a tormentor? Researcher of high strangeness John E. L. E. L. Tanny had a different agenda. When he tends to march do Nane Rug, instead of showing hate for the dwarf, he shows Nane Rug a little love. Check out these, these links and learn about the other side of the legend. Why it not be what everyone thinks. It's, uh, I'm not going to read it. Over a decade ago, the March of March du, du Nainwug Prairie started and takes place on Cast Corridor in, Detroit, in Detroit's Midtown. The concept of the parade is to push the little red dwarf out and bring back good fortune to the city. The march happens every year around the spring equinox and has become a celebration of the strange, a sort of Michigan Mardi Gras. There are decorated floats, brass bands, and outlandish costumes. 
Many dress up like Nan Rogue, making themselves look like look slightly demonic. Even more people are dressed like it's a fairy tale cosplay event. There's this guy that's walking around dressed up as a strip of bacon, which doesn't make sense. And neither does the parade really. It's a bizarre hedge hodgepodge of people, but it's a good time. The parade ends up with a party at the Masonic Temple. I was a little worried walking in the parade with the pro Nanrug units after our troop commander John E. L. Tenney was telling us past stories of getting spit on and almost punched by people. But we were walking with one of the coolest looking guys in the whole parade and who portrays Nanrug for the book Things I Do in Detroit by the Nanrug, written by David Krieger. This beautifully photographed book follows the Nanrug as he goes to all of Detroit's hotspots. I highly re recommend it read, but walking next to the coolest looking guy in the parade also meant showing up in everyone's photos next day on Facebook and Instagram. Oh well. If you love the strange and unusual, go to the parade. And if you don't know what the hell is going, really going on, it's good people watching for sure. Uh, the Mishipishu. Mishipishu, the Guardian of the Sacred Copper. Uh, Mishipishu. Try and say that word five word fast three times. If this OG word for great links is too hard for you to pronounce, you can also just call it a water panther. We all know how much cats love water, so perhaps this could be to the angry temperament of this menacing looking creature. Its origins began with the Native American of the Lake Superior Upper Great Lake region who told stories about the, this fierce guardian and its one goal protect sacred copper of the upper peninsula and that's pretty easy to do when you look like a uh, cross between a dinosaur and a mountain lion um, Mishi Peshu has the head and paws of a big cat scales spikes along its back and a large reptilian tail it even has horns akin to a deer for added freakiness the ancient story says it lives on the Mishipotan island on the Canadian side of Lake Superior it has the magical ability to cause nasty storms. It's unusually associated with more bad things in life than good, such as death and destruction. But people believed it in the past that as long as an offering was made for the creature, mm, this could perhaps keep it calm. If one had to travel by water, it's also been known to hold a grudge against the mystical thunderbirds that rule the sky, or to some Native American beliefs like Michigan version of Godzilla versus Mothra. During the 19th century in Michigan, many ships carrying materials such as copper went down during storms. One of the most popular, one of the more popular wrecks on Lake Spirit was the Alagoma uh, that went down during a heavy storm near Isle Royale never, on November 7, 1985. The ship struck ground and broke into two. Around 60 people were on board and 46 passengers and crew died. The ship had supposedly been carrying UP copper among its supplies. While most of these ships went down for perfectly logical and natural reasons that are just inevitable misfortunes of sailing the Great Lakes, but this website isn't necessarily devoted to the logical, so I mean, let's just say it could have also been Mitsubishi Garden Carver. Most of these ships went down for perfectly logical. Another tale. Involves the wrath of the water panther tells us about four Native American men who decided to go to Machala 
Picotola Island and deliberately take the island's copper to help them heal, eat their food faster. Of course, it ended well for the man, and only one made it back to shore with just enough life left in him to tell the others what happened before he died. Mishapeshu is an important and powerful animal to many Native American tribes of the Great Lake regions. No one, has, uh, no one has wanted to anger this creature like ever. It's been said that anyone who stole the copper had misfortune befall them, which pretty much meant death. This wasn't much creative variation in what horribleness awaited a copper taker, just death. Perhaps that's why, perhaps that's what happens in mysterious Michigan copper culture no one can figure out. The awful victim to Mishapeshu for the copper greed. Legend or wrote creature. Bring an offering of peace next time you are in Lake Spear and honor old Mishu Peshu. Just be on the safe side. Boy, what we got here? Just how far can a Michigan legend go? How high can a Michigan tall tale go? This story just may fit that bill. Locals in the village of Amble in Montcalm County believe there is a giant green squirrel terrorizing the community. Don't, don't rub your eyes. Don't rub your ears. You heard me right. This super squirrel is said to be the size of a small cow or a 72 Buick. It sends fears down spines if it's seen towering over Amber's tallest hill. The chirps, grunts, and squeaks this green squirrel makes can be heard throughout the hills and valleys as the sound echoes throughout the community. So, what is this squirrel seeing? According to MLive.com, it's only seen at night when the locals are most likely to be completely tanked. Usually on nights when there's just a slit of moon and the sky is at its darkest. Nobody can agree on the color of this giant squirrel's eyes, as various witnesses says the eyes are either blue, brown, red, or yellow. On top of that, its fur is green. Since the monster squirrel is unlikely, what other people creature are people seeing hearing that they mistake for a giant squirrel. Paid a visit to Amble once some day or night and check it out. There are some cool buildings around as well as the local bar, cemetery, church, a truck and trailer repair service, an old one room schoolhouse, and a monster green and a monstrous monstrous green uh, squirrel. Yes, it could have just been bad eyesight or too much for him, but on May 13, 1782, Vanet St. Germain, a Canadian fur trader, spotted what he believed to be an actual merman swimming in the cold, deep dark waters of Lake Superior. Okay. While making a stop at Pie Island in the north, northern part of the lake, St. Germain spotted the creature and described it as looking childlike with brownish skin and having extremely brilliant eyes. According to the authors of the book Mysterious Islands, St. Germain, 30 years after he saw the merman, stood before the Court of King's Bench in Montreal to sign an affidavit, further improving his conviction of what he had witnessed years before in Lake Superior. But St. Germain wasn't the only one to speak of strange water creatures in the lakes. This creature was also part of the Ojibwe's people's stories, which they called Mamegwashi. Uh, Sorry, it's horrible. Horrible pronunciation. 
This creature, similar to what Sacred Mane had seen, was also described as having looking childlike and something hairy and sometimes hairy. Uh, this uh may Megawashi is also known in a, as another unpronounceable word, uh so sorry, it's really hard. Uh, naturally, Shaker Man's first instinct when he saw the merman was to get out his gun and shoot at it. They had been traveling with an Native American woman of the Ojibwe tribe, and she prevented and she prevented the shooting. This woman told them it was bad luck for it to threaten the water creature slash gods, and sure enough, a nasty storm rolled through this area that lasted for three long days. Was the storm just a coincidence? Shaker Man's life would end by means of an accidental bullet. A friend of a friend of his aimed an old shotgun at him, and not believing it would be a working gun, pulled the trigger. Better not shoot at the next merman or Mamugawashi, you see swimming in the waters of Lake Superior, or any other like Great Lakes. If you're looking for the Mamugawashi, uh, here's a handy checklist for next time you're out on the Great Lakes. Uh, is it three feet tall? Does it have six fingers? Does it have a hairy body? Is it? Does it have a very round head? Does it like to hide them on rocks in the water? Is it childlike in appearance? Uh, does it have one hand on the hip and the other on the, out of the water? Hey, um, Bigfoot is also been seen in Michigan, but you know, Bigfoot, he's a bipedal ape. It's hairy. It's like the eighth most common place to find Bigfoot. Is it Michigan? So, I won't get too much into that. It's just a little side note. The Dewey Lake Monster is a name given to a legendary creature said to be approximately 10 feet uh, tall and weighing about 500 pounds, which first gained wide notoriety in June 1964 out of several reported sightings near Dewey Lake in Dawajak, Michigan. It's also referred to as as the Michigan Bigfoot and Sister Lakes Sasquatch. According to legend, the creature was rumored to dwell primarily along a stretch of swampland extending 15 miles from Dogwag Sister Lakes towards Decatur, Michigan, along Dewey Lake Street. In 1964, the tale gained national attention and caused a flood of curious thrill seekers and monster hunters to besiege the local community in the summer of 1964, some of who offered photographs and plaster casts claimed to be of footprints of the creature. Uh, former Cass County Sheriff Paul Parrish was quoted as saying, It was one of the strangest times in its 33 years of southwestern Michigan law enforcement. He had it. He investigated it long and hard, but never found but was never able to come up with whatever it was, but some good, honest, legitimate people reported it. Well, I think that's be it for this episode, guys. But stay tuned and subscribe or follow or bookmark whatever is you do to make sure you listen to future episodes of podcasts you enjoy. Um, Because next episode... We might just have a special guest. So make sure you follow and keep your notifications on. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Monster Dungeons Podcast. 
you might be wondering where you can listen to this episode and past episodes and later episodes. So I want to let you know where you can listen to it. You can listen to it on the Anchor app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and I'm very proud to announce that Monster Legends Podcast is now on iHeartRadio. So please, if you can't find my podcast, please let me know, and I will help in the best way I can. Please share with your friends. If you want to get a hold of me, you may do so by messaging me on my face on the Facebook page, Monster Legends Podcast. That it's facebook.com slash monster religious podcast. If you want to send me an email to submit a story or to contact me about being a guest or being a guest on your podcast, you may do so by emailing monster legends, monster legends podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for everyone for sharing and liking and following or submitting reviews and I'm on Instagram at G1Tanner you can follow the po- uh, Twitter podcast the podcast is Twitter at uh, Legends P or follow my Twitter at G1Tanner and once again thank you for listening thank you for sharing thank you for liking I hope you have a great week thank you suck sometimes and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on zoom last week doesn't help any that's why reluctantly codependent sisters the shira and rashalia keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast legendary africa every monday and friday we take you on a journey of mythical lands magical objects and monstrous creatures both ancient and modern find legendary africa on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and wherever you feed your ears and remember Stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.